we are closing down a series this week called On Mission. We did the same series last year. We let the church know that we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. Should we ever stop helping people find Jesus? Should Fellowship Baptist Church ever stop helping people follow Jesus? Or should our church make something a bigger deal than that? That is the beginning of our end. Do you know there are churches, even in our own community, dying all around us? Churches in our country, for sure, dying all around us. And I don't rejoice in that at all. You know why they're dying? Because at some point they stopped helping people find and follow Jesus. Church became a to-do on their task list. That's it. And there was no real discipleship going on. The baptistry became a a storage room. I've been to churches. That's what it is. They store the vacation Bible school supplies in the baptistry. Hey, listen, it shouldn't be that way. We are about helping people find and follow Jesus. And I pray our deacons prayed this morning. God, keep us on track. We're an outward focused church. But then we've been walking through each of our growth steps. If you're a guest here. You're coming in on the the latter stages of this process, but we believe that following Jesus begins with believing in the good news, the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, that you can be made right with God through Jesus, and that's the only way. But we don't believe the Christian life stops there. If you stop after salvation, you are missing out on an amazing journey. We believe you ought to commit. There ought to be a level of commitment to one of Christ's churches. Maybe this would be the church you need to commit to. Maybe not. After that, we believe that you don't just join a church to put your name on a roll, but you ought to connect with other believers inside that church. We had a great time of connection in our connection groups this morning at 945. While our kids are at Sunday school as adults, we come together in smaller groups. And we pray together and learn the Bible together. Grow, we, we believe that. One of the tangible ways you can grow is by coming to more than just one service a week. That that is a process. It it takes some time to get to that level of, of, of your Christian faith. But I believe that the more you go, the more you grow. And today we're going to be talking about the last step, and that's serving. Serving through ministry involvement. Getting involved in the church that you belong to. I think everybody has heard of Tom Brady. He's recently announced his retirement. I I think it goes without saying. You can can argue with me and be wrong in the foyer after the service, but he is the best quarterback to ever play the game. Last year at age 43, he led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. He even won the MVP award. And they led him back to the playoffs again this year. And once again, he's on the list for one of the top candidates for the most valuable player. However, there's someone that deserves just as much credit as Tom Brady. You might not know who that is at first, but his name's Donovan Smith. Chances are everybody knows who Tom Brady is, but fewer people know who Donovan Smith is because he's the starting left tackle for the Buccaneers. And he's actually the most important player in that franchise to Tom Brady. Because as a right-handed QB, Donovan Smith is responsible for one thing, keeping Tom Brady healthy. Without the left tackle, Tom Brady would get blindsided by the defensive end or the linebackers who were blitzing. And if you know anything about Tom Brady's career, it's been a long career. Why? Because he stayed healthy. 
Because his teams have invested a lot into their left tackles. If there weren't left tackles in the NFL, there wouldn't be quarterbacks. They'd be dead. <laughs> Yet when is the last time you heard of a left tackle getting the MVP award? I'll tell you, a never. No left tackle has ever won the MVP award. Don't Google that right now. It's true. <laughs> Google afterwards. Now, serious, when was the last time you watched a Super Bowl and heard the left tackle look into the camera and say, I'm going to Disney World? It doesn't happen, does it? That's the QB's job. They get all the glory. Yet, even though the media doesn't put a lot of value on the left tackle position, I'd venture to say that if you ask Tom Brady, what do you think of the left tackle position? He would say, you can't spend enough on those guys. They're valuable. I say all that to make this point. The church is a lot like a football team. In order for us to fulfill our mission successfully, which is helping people find and follow Jesus. Listen, we need every single person on the team involved and playing their role with joy and faithfulness. Some members of fellowship are QBs. Some are left tackles. Some are coaches. Some are water boys. Some are strength trainers. But every person matters. I'll sum up the big idea of the message right up front. It's simply this. Everybody is somebody in the body. My dad, our pastor, for a long time has said this over and over and over. Would you say that out loud with me? Everybody is somebody in the body. You believe that? That's what the Apostle Paul really presses into in 1 Corinthians 12. He uses this very vivid, sometimes humorous illustration of the human body. And then he applies it to, to the church as the body of Christ. So just as the human body has many members, arms and legs and feet and ears and eyes and kidneys and a brain and a heart, so does the church body and every member of it matters. Now here's the truth. Fellowship Baptist Church needs everybody. Simply because none of us are as effective alone as all of us are together. I want to point that out in three truths from the text. Why does everybody in, or everybody, why is everybody somebody in the body? What implications does that big truth bring us out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Write this down, number one, because everybody is somebody in the body. No one should feel insignificant in the body. In our country, there's been a lot of talk in recent years about the different economic classes, right? You got the 1%. You got the shrinking middle class. You've got the poor. That's what category I'm in. I'm just kidding. Like it or not, there are different classes in our country, right? At least economically. Here's what I love about the church. The gospel erases all classes. Right? It erases economic classes and ethnic classes and social classes. We are all made up of, of all kinds of different people. Our church is made up of all sorts of different people. But hear this, we are one people. Amen. This is what Paul explains. This is the foundation of his study in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. 
In other words, when each of us were saved by by God's amazing grace, the, the same Holy Spirit birthed us all into the family of God. And then came to live inside of all of us. So, so what I like about that is it teaches me that the ground is not only level at the foot of the cross, the ground is level within the family of the church. There is nobody in this room that is better than somebody else. But even though we're all equal members of the same body, we don't all have the same gifts. We don't all do the same things within the body. It's just the truth that some in the fellowship family, as we call it, have more prominent roles, more public gifts than others do. And because of that, someone who has less visible gifts may think they're not important or as important to the church. But I want you to know that's absolutely wrong thinking. No one should think they're insignificant in the body. And that's what Paul is trying to stress to this Corinthian church. Notice what he said in verse 15 and 16. Study with me. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear get mad and say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, now, now I want you to get this. In this vivid illustration, Paul imagines a foot looking up at a hand and saying to itself, I'm all the way down here on the ground. I'm covered up by socks and I'm covered up by shoes. The hand's up there and it gets to do all the twisting and all the touching and all the turning. And I'm not really a part of this body. I'm not a part of anything that's going on. Then he said, likewise, the ear's going to say, all I do is hear sounds. The eye's up there bulging out of people's skull, looking around. It's a beautiful eye. It sees colors, it sees lights, it sees people, it sees beauty. Everybody looks right at the eye even though it's talking to me. I'm not part of the body. Are you just now getting that, Dad? Well, you're the only one in the room that thought it was funny. I thought it was funny all week long. Did you get it? Okay. All right. Don't leave me up here hanging. It's, there's something. It's social etiquette. It's called the courtesy laugh. All right. Y'all need to learn that. Listen, we we may recognize that that despite the foots and the ears, low self-esteem, they're very much still part of the body, even if they pout and protest that they're not. Likewise, someone in the church whose gift might be something like behind the scenes service, like the maintenance ministry. Or giving. They're just generous. God's gifted them with a generous spirit or, or intercessory prayer. They love the opportunity to go into their prayer closet. Be a prayer warrior on behalf of other people. Well, because no one sees those things, they might say one Sunday, you know what? I don't ever get on the platform. I'm not an elected officer of this church. Nobody really even knows me that well. Truth is, I don't even belong. I'm not appreciated and, and I don't even matter around here. Listen, in reality, even if you tell yourself that it's not true. God has placed you in this body. He has gifted you uniquely for the needs of this body. And no amount of self-pity can change the fact that you are a viable part of this body. Paul goes on in verse 17 to ask a great question. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? The point is clear. If the body were just an eye, it wouldn't function. If we're only an ear, it wouldn't exist because every part of the body is needed. 
Boy, I love what, what Warren Wearsby says to this point. He said, the body needs different functions if it is to live. I suppose I could learn to walk on my hands, but I prefer to use my feet. The ear cannot see me, I cannot hear, yet each organ has an important ministry. And have you ever tried to smell through your ears? <laughs> Someone, that's a good courtesy laugh, thank you. Someone in this church may think to themselves, I can't preach like that pastor, I can't sing like that sister, or I can't deacon like that brother. I may not be all that important. Or perhaps some people might say something like this, why didn't God make me more like him? Why didn't God make me more like her? Why don't I have the kinds of gifts they do? Listen, the reality is that your complaints of insignificance or inadequacy are not just toward the body around you. They're actually directed toward the God above you. Why? Because he made you. And then he placed you in a specific church. That's what verse 18 says. But now if God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. People today think you just go shop around for a church. Right? American Christianity is nothing but consumerism these days. I still believe that God leads and directs people to specific local churches. He makes the members of it as it has pleased him. Where and how you fit into this body of believers is not ultimately a matter of personality. It's not ultimately a matter of church politics. It is a matter of divine providence. God made you. He saved you. He uniquely gifted you for a specific purpose in Fellowship Baptist Church. And when you're not satisfied with your place in the body, you're actually not satisfied with God's grace in your life. I've often found that people don't get involved in our church. Take that last growth step of serve. Because oftentimes they, they walk into our church and it's a well-established church. I think it runs pretty good. A lot of people that, that are involved... Far from perfect, but it's going well. So people will say, I, I want to join that church. I want to worship with that church. But man, I don't think they need me. They got door greeters. They got security people. They got people making coffee. They got Sunday school teachers everywhere. They got people driving buses, picking up kids. They've got a big choir. Where am I going to find a place in this church? And if you're not careful, you might think I'm, I'm kind of insignificant here. I want to be a part of it, but is there a part for me? Here's what I would tell you. Yes, there is. If God has directed you here and placed you within the body of Fellowship Baptist Church, it's because he has a place for you to serve. Sitting in a chair is not a spiritual gift. We know that. Now, I'm glad you're sitting in a chair. I'm glad you're worshiping. You need this for your soul and spirit. But there is something about getting plugged into serving other people that makes your church experience that, that much more great and meaningful. That's the first point. No one should feel insignificant in the body. Point two, we're going to move through the text. No one should feel independent from the body. Okay, so on the one hand in Corinth, you have some folks who didn't think enough of themselves. And I guarantee you we have some folks like that in our church. And Paul spoke to those. But then you had some people in the church of Corinth, and probably in our church, if we're honest, that think too much of themselves. Paul had a word for them too. Look at verse 21. And the eye cannot say into the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. It's as though Paul is reloading his gun, <laughs> taking a loving shot at those who thought their spiritual gifts were the only ones that mattered. 
See, no more could the first group say, we're not needed. Could the second group say, we don't need you. The eye can't look down at the hand and say, hey, I can see it just fine. I don't need you to grab it and get it for me. The eye can't grab anything. The, 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 the head can't say to the feet, I know where I need to go and I'll get there without you. The head can't walk. Likewise, in a church, those people who lead and stand in front of the body are foolish to think that those who stand behind them are not important to them. Are necessary to the work that God has called all of us to do. Paul illustrates this further in verse 22. He said, nay or no, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble, they're necessary. In other words, those folks who, who are not as visible may actually be more vital to the health and life of this church than those who are always out front. Think about it this way. Inside your chest beats your heart. Your heart can't survive outside of your body. It wasn't meant to be visible. It was meant to be hidden inside your, your body. It was meant to be guarded and protected by your skin and by your bones. And, and yet you, you might be able to survive getting your skin cut or bruised. You might be able to survive your bone being broken. But you wouldn't survive an hour without your heart. See, I must know this morning that as a pastor... I'm out front every Sunday as kind of the skin and bones of this ministry, preaching the sermon, leading the service. But I must know that the real heartbeat of the church may be some dear saint of God whose prayers for me and my family and our church throughout this week are the only thing making any sense out of my sermon as it reaches the ears of the congregation. Preachers are a dime a dozen. But prayer warriors are like hearts and lungs. Few and precious, hidden in the prayer closet, but we wouldn't survive without them. If you're a prayer warrior, keep on praying. The singers every Sunday are a huge blessing to our service. I wouldn't want to go a single Sunday without the singers in our church. God uses them every week. They work hard. But what would our worship be and their song be without those in the sound ministry and the meeting ministry? Making sure the singers can be heard and the words of the music can be seen. What would our choir be without the, the lady that loads music into our folders every Sunday afternoon? The connection group leaders and Sunday school teachers who are gifted to be in front of kids or even lead a spiritual discussion with adults every Sunday. They are vital to the health of our church. But what about the 25 men who serve behind the scenes in our security team every week that can make sure our children and ourselves can learn in a safe environment? What about them? My point is that we should recognize how valuable the less visible members are with less public gifts and treat them as so. We can't ever forget or get to the place where, where we think that the the, the, the publicly gifted members, the visible people, are the only important members around here. Paul presses into it more in verse 23. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. But Pastor, why, why are you giving more honor to those that aren't visible? Because those that are visible get honor every week. So Paul tells us, don't forget the people 
that are inside the chest of the church, hidden by skin and bones. They're the heartbeat of the ministry. Through their hidden generosity, through their hidden servant spirit, through their hidden intercessory prayer, through their hidden encouragement to hurting believers. That's what keeps this place going. John MacArthur makes the application very clear, kind of humorous. He said, every sensible person will be more concerned with his heart than his hair. Should we comb our hair? Well, if you have it. Yes, you should. My dad always says, they don't put cheap furniture on marble. What is it? Marble tops on cheap furniture. I like that. I plan on saying that if I get bald one day. <laughs> yeah, you should comb your hair if you have it. But we all know that the arm that picks up the brush and the heart that pumps the blood to that arm are more important to your life than the way you part your hair or how you style it. I know I need to preach the word of God every Sunday. I recognize God's called me to do that and gifted me to do that. But I also know this morning there's a nursery worker right now who's holding a baby that isn't hers so that a mother and father can be in this room to hear the message I preach without being distracted. I know there are people here today listening, not because I'm so dynamic, but because some connection group leader or just a caring church member called them this week and checked on them and encouraged them to be in church. Do you need a pastor? Sure. But a pastor needs you as badly as you need him. We need one another. We cannot survive apart from one another. Number one, because everybody is somebody in the body, no one should be insignificant or feel insignificant in the body. No one should feel independent from the body, number two. Let me give you one more. No one should feel indifferent to the body. God in his sovereignty and his wisdom has made us who we are. We've already talked about it. he's placed us within a specific church. And he did it, Paul says in verse 25, not so we could fight about who's more valuable, but so that there would be no division in the body, but there would be concern for one another. Look at verse 25, that there should be no schism or or division, fragmentation in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So rather than chopping up ourselves into pieces, schism, And arguing about which one is most needed, we as members, Paul said, ought to have the same care for one another. Care means concern. And notice the word same. We ought to be equally concerned for everybody in the body. We ought to be as concerned for the man who turns the microphone up in the sound booth as we are for the one who sings into it on a stage. We ought to see as much value in the one teaching the first grade Sunday school class as we do the one teaching the adult connection group. We ought to care as much for the bus worker as we do the longest tenured deacon. As much for the lady who fixes food for the funerals as we do for the trustees that form our budget. Paul digs a little deeper in verse 26. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. You see that? Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Rather than cliques and and these competing groups inside a church, when everybody is somebody in the body, we all weep with those who weep. We all rejoice with those who rejoice. When a brother falls, we, we all fall down to our knees with them. 
When a sister succeeds, we all cheer and, 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 and we, we celebrate knowing her victory is a victory for all of us. But yet, what do you see in so many churches? A brother falls and we kick dirt on him. Under our breath, we say something like this. He had it coming. No concern. What do we do when a sister receives a promotion or, or a sister uh, get, gets, gets, uh, gets some attention that maybe we wish we would receive? What, what do we do? do? Do we rejoice with that sister or in our heart do we think they don't deserve that? Only if the pastor knew who they really were. I know it's not a perfect illustration, but, but we ought to be kind of like a good baseball team. If someone hits the game-winning walk-off home run, I think the whole church ought to be out by home plate jumping up and down. Waiting to greet the person when they get home. Likewise, if one of our members gets attacked on the field, I think the benches ought to clear. We ought to go to to battle for it. I'm not saying it's a a perfect illustration. We we ought to fight for our brothers and sisters kind of like Kelby did in the major league when the bench is cleared. Just just kind of get lost in the crowd. Hey, you can go to YouTube. Just text me, I'll shoot you a link. Last one out of the dugout. Everybody's, everybody's throwing hands and Kelby's in the back. Goes like this. It's the funniest thing ever, man. It's the funniest thing ever. I love it. Here's the truth. It's, it's some, you know, big old 250 pound cleanup Peter tried to go after him. They couldn't catch him. I guarantee you that. I'm just saying if, if the devil attacks one of our brothers or sisters, we don't throw stones at him and get on the devil's team. We clear the bench and we restore them in grace. We chase after them in love. We forgive the wayward. We welcome home the prodigal. That's what we do. Why? They're part of us. Everybody's somebody in the body. We've got believers and Christians and church members getting picked off left and right while other church members come every Sunday, sit on their comfortable pew, go back home and never once pray for that brother. They're indifferent. There's a sense of coldness and hard-heartedness toward other people that they go to church with. You can't be indifferent to people. And by the way, you shouldn't be indifferent to those who are trying to show concern for you. If you've drifted and you're trying to live your life amputated from the body right now, Yet when part of the body reaches out to you to try and reconnect you, you resist their efforts. You are living indifferent to the body that God has called you to be a part of. You would say it's silly for an arm to be flopping around on the ground thinking it can be useful from the body to which it belongs. And it's equally as silly for a believer to be disconnected and unconcerned about the church body to which they belong and still expect to remain spiritually healthy. You need the church. And the church needs you. No one should be indifferent to it. That's how the Apostle Paul closed the text. Look at verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Think about that phrase as I close. 
the body of Christ? The body of who? Christ. We have the name Fellowship Baptist Church to identify who we are. That's not really who we are. We are something more meaningful than a name. We make up the very body of the Lord Jesus. There was a time when there was a literal physical body of Jesus. Right? He was born into this world through the womb of a, of a virgin girl. He lived among us in this real breathing body, this precious body that was a perfect body, not physically, but spiritually perfect. Think about it. The eyes of Jesus always looked on the world with the compassion of God. Always. The heart of Jesus always moved through the world with the love of God. The, the hands of Jesus touched and healed with the power of God. The feet of Jesus always walked in the will of God. Including the day he walked up to a shameful, sin-cursed and soon-to-be blood-stained cross. There the Lord Jesus laid down his sinless perfect body on a tree. He shed his sinless blood for the sake of sinners like you and me. Then he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And now because of what he did in his earthly body, you and I have the privilege, the undeserved, and I should say the unparalleled privilege to be his spiritual body on this earth. We have different roles and responsibilities in this body. But we all have the same head. Jesus Christ. We're all tied together by his lordship over our lives. Why wouldn't you want to get involved in that kind of body? You represent Jesus. When you serve, you give, you sing, you preach, you teach, you pray, you encourage, you open a door. You walk a hall, make sure... Everybody's safe. You work in a nursery. You aren't representing or working for Fellowship Baptist Church. You're an arm of the body of Christ. You're a leg of the body of Christ. You're an ear of the body of Jesus. You're a nose. You're a toe. You're a kidney. You're a liver. You're a brain. You're a heart of the spiritual body of the Lord. Why would you say, eh, takes too much time? That's asking too much. Why would you be involved in a ton of other organizations to the exclusion of being involved in the very body of the Lord Jesus Christ? Hear me. Everybody is somebody in the body. Here's what that means. Everybody should be doing something in the body for the glory of God. God put every member on your body there for a reason to do something. And he puts you here to do something. And my heart and my prayer all week long is if there's somebody that maybe in 2022, that's the step you need to take. So you know what I... I need to be a contributor. 
not just a consumer. I need to be a participant, not just a spectator. And I need to do something for this body and with this body and in this body. I need to join them in helping people find and follow Jesus. Whether that's in a nursery room or at a front door or in a choir loft. If that's you, would you just surrender to that today? Well, what do I do? Just come talk to me. I'll be in the foyer. Find Brother David. Take out a connect card and write on there. I, I, I'm interested in serving. When you do that, put your name and number on there. We'll contact you. And we'll say, hey, we'll plug you in somehow, some way to this functioning body of Jesus Christ. I hope you'll do that today to maybe help motivate and inspire you. I want you to hear a, a video testimony from uh, Brady and Markayla Steckel. I think it'll be a blessing to you. Let's play that. I always think of like what's our main mission for fellowship and how do we accomplish that as a body of believers. I always think there's there's always something that you could be doing and there's no little job because when we forget about the little jobs, everything starts falling apart. So I think whatever you can do to make it happen, you should be making it happen. That way we can accomplish our mission. As soon as I became a member, like I wanted to do something and there's always little things that I was maybe helping out with, but as far as actually serving in a ministry, that was the music ministry. We got married and then we were going to go on our honeymoon and after we got back, that's when I started playing guitar for the music. Big thing for us now is being uh, leaders of Purpose Life. And, when I started coming here, I don't think I'd really imagine myself being the single adults connection group leader. When Brady first came to me and told me that uh, Tyler had been talking to him about working in a Sunday school class, like being a leader, I was very nervous about it. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm too young to be helping lead other people. It felt like in my mind. But now that we've uh, done that and we've been involved in the Purpose Life class, I think I've built a lot of new friendships and it's been really awesome to be able to be a part of that. I don't think really anybody goes into something and already good at it. If you're already, if you're sitting around waiting to be good at something before you go try to accomplish whatever you're setting out to do. Like you're going to be sitting around always. I think a lot of times when we ask God to set something on our hearts, we just close our minds sometimes. That, well, it's got to be something that's really great. It's going to build me up. But I think if you've been praying about it already, there's probably something that's already on your heart. You just got to say yes and really be open to something. Look for those opportunities every time you walk through the door. I think a big thing about helping people find and follow Jesus is it starts as soon as they pull into the parking lot. And even having good lighting out there, like that says a lot to people pulling into our parking lot at night. Uh, people greeting them at the door. Uh, it's less intimidating kind of shocking for people. They come intimidated and then someone greets them. Then there's other people 
helping them find seats. And the services are boring. Like, they have good music for them. There's a choir singing. We have preachers here that are gonna preach the word. They bring kids in. Their kids are gonna come running back to their parents and just say how much fun they had at church today and just start saying what they learned. Um, just being in a connection group and able to form bonds with people that you didn't know here. Like I even think at my connection group how there's been people in there that came to one service and now it's like that night they're like already best friends with people. Like all every little ministry here like no matter how small just helps people find Jesus but then afterwards continue that second half and not just well you're saved like good luck with life there's so much here that helps people follow Jesus their fellowship Baptist follows through and it all has to do with all these ministries here and people serving and I always think back like there was so many times that people are serving in six, seven, eight ministries, but I think we're to a point now that people start buying in that they wanna serve here, and the loads spread out. Like the more people we have serving, the easier it is to accomplish our mission. There's less burnout. People start finding their sweet spots, so the quality of the ministries get better. And when people buy into our mission, we're going to see even more people saved, and we're going to see even more dedicated followers of Christ here. Just very practical. He made a, a great point that we are now to the place as a church where one person doesn't have to do ten things. That's just, that there's no excuse for that, right? In a church our size, we, we can spread it out. And then did you catch what he says? It, it is a passion of mine to put people in their sweet spot. Their sweet spot, a mixture of, of what they love, what they're experienced at, and what they're good at. What they love, what they're experienced at, and what they're good at. Kind of in the middle of that is their sweet spot. Sometimes it's on a platform, sometimes it's behind a closed door. But man, if we get more people in their sweet spots and not spread thin so much around Fellowship Baptist Church, the quality of every ministry goes up because you got the right people in the right spots. That's what we want.